Welcome back to part two of Changing Technology on Point of Insanity Game Studios Geekery in General podcast. And I am, of course, Al, joined today by Steve. Now, before Hi, we begin, everyone. now, before we begin, uh, Steve, you told me that you finally crawled out from under a rock and finally saw the Star Wars Episode 7 trailers. Oh, yeah, and a few other trailers, like <laughs> the new Terminator one. Yeah, I haven't seen the Terminator one, but then again, I really wasn't too much into the the Terminator franchise. But let's talk about Star Wars, since, like I said, you finally decided to join the modern world and and see the the Star Wars Seven trailer. Your impressions or thoughts? Yeah. Just gonna be waiting until it comes out. Get my opinion of it. Because basically what that movie's going to be is passing the torch to the uh, next generation of Star Wars characters. Mm -hmm. Well, that kind of reminds me of an unrelated but yet related topic. Since we're kind of taking a look back and looking at how technology has changed through our lives, do you ever feel old, Steve, looking at some of the gizmos and gadgets that kids today have? Well, compared to what we had when we were their age, yeah, definitely making me feel a little bit older. Oh, dang. Kids nowadays. They're here walking around with a music player that's the size of a credit card. And then we had to walk around with, like, a thing that was the size of a boombox on our shoulder. Oh, yes. Yeah, that is definitely an 80s image. That's something we should have mentioned when we were talking about the portable media players, the old boombox, and uh, if you've ever seen any movies that take place in the 80s, um, you know, or filmed in the 80s, sometimes, yeah, you'll see the person, they have it on their shoulder, and they've got the, you know, holding on to the handle. Yes, people, that kind of stuff really happened. <laughs> but what, what was the first time you actually started to feel old? Or at least maybe not old, but started to feel like you were growing older. When a kid about uh, your son's age knows more about computers than us, and we grew <laughs> up when they were coming out. Yeah, and I I remember you had another story you were talking about. You know, of course, you've been in the Navy for about you know over 20 years now. You mentioned that occasionally you get these new recruits who it's like, kid, I've been in the Navy longer than you've been alive. <laughs> yeah, I actually have that. You know, when uh, I get new guys uh, on board, you know, I ask them, so uh, how old were you in September of 94? And I'm now getting the thing of, dude, man, I was born in October of 95. (laughs) You weren't even conceived yet. Yeah, and it also reminded me there was this uh, Facebook post that I saw. I think it was on the Dungeons & Dragons memes facebook page but it had a picture of a bunch of well-worn dice and it said grognard i've got dice older than you kid (laughs) but i'd have to say one of the things that really made me aware of how times are changing and how old i've gotten this had to have been back in like 2007 or 2008 um it was after the wii came out because I remember I was playing the Nintendo Wii and my son who was probably about four at the time 
uh, he somehow found, he came up to me and he was holding my old Super Mario Brothers Duck Hunt cartridge for the Nintendo. And he'd seen me play Mario and he'd played Super Mario Brothers with me. So he saw that he recognized the picture of Mario and he's like, Daddy, what's this? And I'm like, well, that's a video game I used to play when I was a kid. He's like, it's got Mario on it. I'm like, yeah, it is Mario. It's Super Mario Brothers. He's like, let's play it. He then took this Super Mario Brothers Duck Hunt Nintendo cartridge, took it up to the Wii, and tried to figure out how to get it to inside of the Wii. Because, <laughs> yeah, he... And I, he was kind of amazed that, you know, games didn't always come on discs, you know, that they used to come in these plastic cartridges, which, well, since we're on that topic of video games, I was planning on talking about video games later, but let, let's start with video games. So, so what was the first video game system you had? Me personally, I mean, that would be the Nintendo. Yep, same here. Because uh, when I was a kid, I did have friends who had Atari or ColecoVision, but my family was never really able to afford one when I was that age. And I, either that or my parents just weren't interested in getting it. So eventually I saved up and did some work for my parents, and that's when I got my Nintendo. Which, of course, I believe we mentioned this before, but I got the uh, the deluxe set that had... Uh, Mario Brothers, Duck Hunt, the two controllers, and the Zapper. And what was the set you got again? I had the one that was the Mario, the Duck Hunt, and the World Track and Field. Yep, so you got the full... Next stage up from yours. Yep, so you got the full shebang where, uh, you know, you had the the white gun and then the, the, the floor mat. I did know one person that had the set that had Rob the Robot. But, like, again, for those who don't know, or I guess I were probably going to be using that phrase several times, for those who don't know or who are too young to remember, back when the Nintendo first came out, they used to have Rob the Robot. And there was some, like, system of discs where Rob would, I don't know how it worked, he would interact with the screen and he'd move discs from one tray to another and that did something with the screen. and. It was more of a gimmick. It really didn't work very well. There were only like two games that were ever released for uh, that worked with Rob. Uh, Gyromite, and then there's another one, but I don't remember the name of it. You ever play those games or happen to ever see them? No, I never played any games that dealt with Rob. I did have a friend who had the Power Glove. Oh, yes, the Power Glove. <laughs> Do you ever actually try using it? Yeah, I tried it once, and it's like, yeah, try playing with a controller one-handed is basically what it came down to. Yeah, and I mean, the Power Glove, it does kind of have a unique place in history. I don't think it's the first attempt to experiment with motion controls with video games, but it was definitely one of the first, because the way it worked is you had these sensors you put up around your TV, and... I guess like, okay, you moved your, you had to program the power glove and each game had different codes you had to put in. Where like if you moved your pinky, it, I don't know, maybe went left or if you 
moved your thumb, it pressed the A button, and uh, I know the angry video game nerd, he did an entire episode about the power glove, and Chris, did you ever see the movie The Wizard? Yeah. Which... Sure, the movie that introduced Super Mario Brothers 3. Yeah, and one thing looking back, okay, again, for those who may not have ever seen The Wizard, it's basically like a 90-minute long video game commercial. It's about a boy who runs away from home with his uh, younger brother to go enter a video game tournament. And uh, while there, you know, the younger brother, there's a girl who's pretty much just not mentioned. And Lucas, who's the main antagonist, they, they're they the finalists in this video game contest. And before uh, they get to this video game contest, Lucas uh, has this video game challenge with the younger brother and he had the power glove and he's like I love the power glove it's so bad you know of course back then bad meant good um but remember it's like in Super Mario Brothers through they were playing Super Mario Brothers 3 as the final challenge in this video game contest and somehow this kid knew how to find the whistle in the fortress in the first world Okay, they were playing a game that at the time was either just out, but in the movie they're saying this game is no one's ever seen it before. How would they know how to work it? How would he know that? But I don't know. Did you ever think about that when you first saw the movie? No. Since it's been so long since I've seen the movie again. But yeah, I can remember it's like here's this little kid, you know, going against this video game where according to the movie, it's like Here's the first time anyone in public played it. Ready, begin. And that little kid is just like, yeah, I've been playing this for like, he acts like he's been playing it for like years. Like, da-da-da-da-da. Okay, final stage, bam, star, you know, hey, I get five extra lives, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, isn't it amazing? It's like he how he picked up on it so quickly. But anyways, so yeah, the Nintendo was... I know, I definitely, uh, it was a landmark system, and, um, you know, of course, when the Super Nintendo came out, and I remember when I first started seeing Super Nintendo games, the music and the graphic improvements just blew me away, and don't laugh at me, but I used to think that when I saw the Super Nintendo, how could anything get better than this? Yeah. Uh, I, I would come out with the Nintendo 64. And then we're like, ah, what can get better than that? Then, <laughs> in a way, it is kind of exciting to think about. I mean, you look at the the changes that video games have gone through, and the improvements that have been made. It's you almost kind of wonder what's next. How are they going to get better than what they have now? But, I mean, getting though getting past things like graphics and music. I mean, obviously, the graphics of you know, a, a PlayStation 4 or an Xbox One game are going to be light years ahead of anything for the uh, Nintendo. Music, well, that's kind of subjective, but, you know, still, I mean, there were some NES games that did have really good music, like uh, Castlevania 3, but getting past things, those technical things, would you say all in all games are better or worse than they were back in back in the day when we first played them? My opinion is, 
I guess almost the same if you get down to the nitty gritty of it. Just the, the games nowadays, since the controller has so many freaking buttons and ways they can do things, you know, it, it makes, you know, playing the game a little bit more hectic. That and, you know, some of these uh, role playing games where they go into fights, they call it real time battles. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the first time I ever had to deal with that, deal with the real-time battle, I, I was like, ah, where's the pause feature so I can pick what I want my guys to do? Are actually, real-time battles I can handle. What I, th- I, I thought you were talking about for a moment, quick-time events, or real-time events, I forgot which they call them, but... These are the ones, like, usually you find them in action games. For example, let's say that you're locking swords with an enemy, and then you see, like, the A button appear on the screen, and you have to press the A button. And if you press the A button, then maybe, you know, you manage to kick your opponent in the groin, and, you know, that backs him away, and then all of a sudden the B button appears on the screen. So you have to press the B button, and that if you press the B button, it means you parry the attack. If you don't, it means that you get hit. So the quick, again, I think they're called either quick time or real time events. Those are something that I can do without because just. I I know one game where the entire concept is doing things like that. You're trying to pay attention to the game. It's the only things pop up and says, well, you got to do this now or else you're going to miss and then die. Yeah. And I, I know about that is Jurassic Park, the game. What system is that for? Uh, well, the game I got of it is for the 360. Okay. Yeah, they might have it on the PlayStation, but like I said, I just got it for the 360. Okay. And like I said the entire concept of that game is while you're trying to pay attention to the storyline that's going on in the background, and then when you get to some action, oh, you got to pay attention to the little uh, buttons that, you know, features that come up that you have to do. And you got to do it within a certain amount of time or, you know, you, you get the bad ending version of it. For me, it's hard to really say whether video games have gotten better or worse because there's some things in some regards, I think video games have gotten better. And in some regards, I think they've gotten worse. One aspect where I believe video games have gotten better, I think that designers are starting to work on making more replayability with your games. Uh, for example, Super Mario Brothers, or not Super Mario Brothers, I'm sorry, um, Super Smash Brothers uh, for the Wii U and for Super Smash Brothers Brawl. Lots of replay value because they have all these extra challenges you can do and different modes you can try. You know, definitely a lot more replayability than even the first Super Smash Brothers or, you know, older games like. Super Mario Brothers. But then again, there are some games like Legend of Zelda, which, you know, even though, you know, even though I've beaten it a bunch of times, it's still one of those games that's kind of fun to go back and play through every now and then. Yep. So it's kind of hard for me to say. I mean, one thing I do like about older games, no messing around with downloadable content. Yeah, that and uh, more simpler uh, application when dealing with the game. 
Yeah, and the uh, the other thing that I do like better about, well, one thing I'm not really too fond about with is online play. Uh, some games just put too much emphasis on the online aspect of the game, which means that if you really don't give a darn about online multiplayer, then the game doesn't offer as much. Good example of, from my experience, Transformers War for Cybertron. The story mode in that game, it only lasts about 10 hours. Uh, however, there's a more there's more multiplayer options. You can do multiplayer battles. You can create your own character. You can do all sorts of cool things. But you have to be online to use those. Where, for me, if I'm going to play a game with someone else, I do like being right there with the person. I mean, one game we used to play a lot of, remember some of those old beat-em-ups like River City Ransom and uh, Final Fight and Pirates of Dark Water for the Super Nintendo? Yeah. Uh, I love the co-op two-player game. Oh, yeah. That, and I, I that, mean, made, that made gaming fun. Yeah, and I'd have to say, one of the things that's weird about Final Fight, it's one of those games that I really... For some reason, I have more fun playing with it, playing it when I'm with a friend. It's just not as much fun playing it on your own. Plus, you know, another nice thing about being having the person right there in the room when you're playing, a, especially a competitive game with them. And what's that? Well, like if, let's say you're playing a street fighting game and your friend does a cheap move on you. If your friend's right there, you can always just reach over and punch him in the shoulder. You can't do that with online play, can you? <laughs> no. Or if you were like a friend of ours and you pulled off this super miracle move and he's like, ah, I got you. And so next thing you know, you're like, you missed. He's like, oops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's just something satisfying about hitting a friend in the shoulder after he did a cheap move on you in a game. So, yeah, well, moving on to a subject that's Similar to video games, computers. Now, do you remember the first computer that you had or the first games that you played on computers? Well, the first computer that offered game capability. Yeah, that, that was a long time ago. That was back when we had the five and a half inch floppy disk. You know, when I actually remember a video, a, I don't remember what system it was, but do you remember the computer system you used to have that had the that had the games on the cassette tapes. Yeah, I remember a friend of the family's. You know, he he uh, did like weird computer games that what he created on a you know, like you said, a cassette disc. Because I remember there was one game we were playing that was on a cassette tape. For the life of me, I can't remember the name, but it was something about a maze where you were trying to escape a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Or a tarantula or something, yeah. No, I remember it was a Tyrannosaurus Rex. It was something about you were entering this maze and there was a a frozen preserved T-Rex that somehow gets out and you have to try to, you know, of course, get out of the maze before T-Rex eats you. You remember, Does that ring a bell? Don't you remember that game? Yeah, I just can't remember what we called it. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah I can picture the game. So... I mean, I I know we didn't get our first computer until about 1993, because uh, I remember the one of the first things I did on that was I wrote a book report 
or not really a book report, but I did a report about the movie Jurassic Park for, uh, you know, for my English class. <laughs> oh, yes, and then also I did, um, oh, actually, no, that would have been in 94. I remember doing a report on the poem by Samuel Taylor Coolridge, Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. And, of course, I had the old print shop style graphic of uh, some kid dressed up as a pirate on the, the cover of it. So my teacher got a laugh out of that. But, I mean, yeah, you talk about something that's changed so much over the course of our lives. Let's talk about computers. When I was a kid, I never really got into too much computer gaming because my computers that I had at the time couldn't really handle very complex games. There was one I did remember playing, Castle of the Winds. Uh, did you ever get that one? or? No, that was one you had. Yeah, because Castle of the Winds was shareware. Uh, there were actually two parts. The first part was shareware. The second part wasn't. It was based partly on Norse mythology, but the object of the game is in the first part, you're, you come home from doing whatever, and you find out you're... Uh, a parent, adoptive parents had been killed. And you find out that they stole this medallion that proves that you are the heir to the, the throne. Now you have to go into this mine to find this your medallion. And the, the levels were always randomly generated, so you never knew what to expect. And uh, in the second part, you had to go to a, the, the castle and you had to go... But you had to fight the major uh, giants from Norse mythology to uh, to get the the Helm of Storm. So that was always a fun game. But carrying on, so did you ever play a lot of, did you ever play a lot of games on your computers that you had, or were you, was it more just like a family tool? It was more of a family tool. There was a couple games that we had, but by that time I had gotten a Nintendo, and I spent more time playing games on that than I did the computer. I mainly used the computer that, you know, whenever I had to write up a report instead of handwriting it, I typed it up. Yeah, because the when we got our computer, my mom got it because she was a teacher, and we got it through an educational discount. The computer for our family, again, it was more. It was Windows three point one, and it was more of a of a family tool as opposed to a plaything. And again, my way my mom always saw it, well, you've got your Nintendo and your Super Nintendo. You want to play video games, you play those. And I remember we actually had a 600 megabyte drive, hard drive, which was actually quite impressive for a computer back then. But it's like nowadays, it's like, come on, I... You know, I have computer programs that take up more space than that. Yeah, that pictures that we take nowadays. One picture, bam, the entire hard drive is full now. Oh yeah, exactly. And you know, you talk about the storage mediums. Remember the old, you mentioned the the floppy disks. How we started with the what was it five and three quarters or five and a half or something like that. Yeah, and then we got the the three and three quarters ones or three and a quarter ones which could hold a mighty 1.44 megabytes. You know, yeah. and, not, and then, then, of course, then eventually we moved on to the, well, there were some other kind of stop gaps before we reached the CDs. Like, I don't, I don't know if you remember the uh, jazz drives. 
and zip I drives. Yep. But yeah, the Jazz and the zip drives, which were basically just higher capacity hard disks, um, or you know, or disks and you know, you look at just the way that some of the computer options have even changed. Because of course, it used to be that you know, usually your computer just came with the floppy disk drive, and if you had a CD-ROM, that was high tech stuff. But then, of course, the CD-ROM became the standard. You know, so now the big thing was to have a CDR drive because that would let you record your that would let you write data to a CD. And then, of course, now what's standard? Pretty much the DVRWs where you can uh, read, write, and you know, you know, read, write, and rewrite CDs and DVDs. And you know, I guess the theme is, you know, what's next? I mean, what's gonna, you know, how long will it be before Blu-ray, you know, replaces DVD as the standard? And how long will it be before something replaces Blu-ray? I'd have to say one of the things that's really changed for the best is you look at the power that, you know, the things that we can do with home computers now. I mean, the fact that we can talk over the internet like we are right now, and we can record this program. And the fact that on my, you know, my computer, that lets me do things that, you know, desktop publishing, which allows me to do things I never would have been able to do with my computer back when I first started using them. Yeah, hell, much less uh, the size of your computers, you know, going from like a monitor that was like a 19-inch screen down to, you know, your cell phone, which is like a three-inch screen. (laughs) Yeah, and we'll be talking, of course, about cell phones soon, but um, let's move on to, oh, yes, and of course, one of the biggest innovations, USB. I don't know who invented the USB drive, but that person is a hero. Because, of course, you remember back in the old days, you know, you had your parallel ports. And if you didn't have something that would, if you had to connect something to your computer and you didn't have the correct port on your computer, well, then you had to go to the computer store and you had to buy, you know, a card to fit into your computer so you could connect that device. Where, of course, now everything's nice and neat with the USB ports where... Well, it's universal. You can pretty much hook whatever you want in there. But going hand in hand with computers is, of course, the internet. Do you remember the days when internet used to be limited? Good old dial-up. Yeah, of course you remember that sound. That sound whenever you dialed in that. <laughs> Brings back memories, huh? Oh yeah. And the thing that I always hated, though, about the dial-up, of course, not, you know, this is, a, you know, not counting the speed issue, of course, is uh, it could get expensive. Um, of course, advantage to dial-up, you know, there are still places that use dial-up, mostly the rural areas, because you just need the phone line. But uh, with dial-up, you had to make a phone call. So if you wanted to connect to the Internet, you know, five times a day, then you were charged, well, five phone calls a day. And, of course, what was the other big problem with dial-up internet? Yeah, one of the biggest problems with uh, that is, you know, if you use dial-up and you only got one phone line, you were basically tying up the phone. So no one could call in and no one could call out. 
I remember that being a real thorn in my side back in 1998 to 1999. Uh, that's when I was living off campus my last year at UW Oshkosh. And I had a roommate, you know, one of the people I lived with, who pretty much he just sat at home on the internet all day because he dropped out of school and didn't have a job. So he just sat there tying up our phone line. And I had friends who they'd be like, dude, what's up with your home, man? I tried to call your house like, you know, five times, but I just kept getting a busy signal. And ugh, I swear that's one thing about, I will, that's one thing about old technology. I will not miss. I do not miss dial up clogging up the phone line. <laughs> yep. That got to be a pain in the butt at times. Oh, yeah. You know, especially when, you know, you had someone using the, if you were expecting a call and you had someone else using the internet. So, again, that's one of those things where I think today's youth, you know, again, unless you do live in an area where dial-up is your only option, some of you will never experience that pain, or I mean that joy. <laughs> yep. It's much less of what the internet speeds were back in the day. Oh, yeah. Cause... I think at that point, I think the first internet I personally owned was the 28.8 was the uh, internet speed. Yeah, because I remember the, you know, it's amazing. It's like back then, if a website took a minute to download, you know, we kind of accepted that. But nowadays, it's like if a website takes longer than 10 or 15 seconds, it's like, okay, what's taking so long? I think another thing that's uh, just looking back is I remember when internet used to be, you know, you, you only got a certain amount of time. The first internet subscription that my family had, I think we got like 15 hours a month. I mean, could you imagine limiting yourself to 15 hours a month nowadays? Yeah, I don't think uh, a lot of people will be able to do that. Yeah, and, and this is discounting people who need to get on the internet for business purposes. I mean, you think how much time people spend a week on like Facebook or just surfing the net or checking email or, you know, doing e-commerce. And one thing I remember, now you may not have experienced this as much with you being in the Navy. I'm sure there were times where, you know, again, you were out for months at a time, but do you ever remember being bombarded in the mail with those America Online AOL discs? Oh, yeah. Wherever you go, it's like, here, have a free AOL sign-up disc. Yes, and their big feature was usually get 1,000 free minutes. You know, of course, you look at how the Internet's become so much of a part of our life. And as a self-published author, you know, this is where something where it's really affected me. I mean, going back in, I mean, of course you remember, you know, Steve, you remember when I was with the sailing and games. Yeah. You know, when, you know, this was before the days of royalty free stock art and print on demand and online PDF sales, you know, the only way we got our products out there was by going to conventions or giving demos at hobby stores and we would sell directly to the customers that way. And then in order to print out the books, we had to do small small print runs, which got expensive. So, it, you know, really, I have to say in a way, a lot of these innovations with the internet and with the publishing industry is really what makes it possible for me to uh, do Point of Insanity Game Studio. 
because I don't think I would be able to have done this, you know, 15, 20 years ago before, you know, before print on demand and PDF sales, because, you know, these services allow me to get my products and my ideas out to anyone who has access to those websites. And then, of course, we can't ignore uh, social networking sites. So the, I know you were on, you were on, you were on MySpace at one time, weren't you? Or Yeah, basically it was actually my sister that got me on MySpace, and that was mainly so I would know what the heck was going on with her. Yeah, because I had the same thing where I just, I found out that, hey, there were a lot of friends that I hadn't seen in years that were on MySpace or Facebook. And now, of course, there's people who debate as to whether social networking sites are good or bad. What's your opinion? Do you, I mean, do you think social networking sites have had a positive impact on society or a negative impact? Yeah, that's actually a big debate going on. You know, my opinion is part of it is it's good because you're you're able to talk to people that you haven't seen in years. But then, you know, you get people with dealing with Facebook and it's like half the time they're just scrolling through Facebook, checking to see what other people are doing. And it's like, dude, let's go. Hold on a minute. I'm still checking my Facebook. I know one of the concerns that some people have about social networking, and they, I think they aim this more at the younger generation, and I'm not sure this is a fair assessment, but they are, I've heard people accuse the younger generation of not knowing what true friendship is because, you know, if only time you have a chance to socialize with someone is it through Facebook, well, that's going to be different than if you actually get, get together to hang out with them or talk with them on the phone or whatnot. I don't know. I guess as long as you're having some interaction with people, I think that's what's more important than whether you're doing it over the internet or whether you are there in person. And again, that's where I, I can't really complain about Facebook because it allows me to keep in contact with you, which, you know, of course, being in Hawaii, yeah, we can call, but that gets expensive. That can get expensive. Well, okay, maybe not as bad because we're not in the days of uh, long-distance phone calls anymore. I mean, most people just use cell phones nowadays. You know, it allows us to keep in contact with people who we may otherwise have lost contact with, and sometimes I think that can be a good thing. Yeah. And, of course, there's many other things we could talk about the Internet, but uh, like, you know, file sharing sites, you know, are they good, are they bad? I don't know about you, but I really don't. I never got into the whole file sharing thing. Neither did I. I mean, e-commerce has been a good impact. That I will say. You know, again, me being a self-published author, uh, I kind of rely on the internet for uh, my business. But there's, of course, always going to be the dark side of everything. But the dark side of the internet is not what we're here to talk about right now. But the internet is something that has definitely changed for the better because it's faster, it's more readily available, uh, it's not as expensive as it once was. But this brings us to just other little doohickeys. Let's talk about cell phones. Now, uh, when was the, do you remember when you got your first cell phone? 
Yeah, that wasn't until I was in the military, and I'd have to say almost year 2000. Yeah, because I... Almost 2001 is when I got my first cell phone. Yeah, because I think we didn't get our first cell phones until, like, 2002 or 2003. Because I still remember we my my first cell phone was, you know, just one of those little candy bar style phones where it wasn't a slider and it wasn't a flip phone and this was of course before the days of of smartphones and you know even then you talk about something that's made such rapid changes and i don't know when about when did the i'm not sure when modern cell phones have come around you know of course before that we did have the you know the older brick style phones which weren't exactly portable yeah, and so I like this one commercial I saw today. Guy was talking about, well, you got cell phones like this. They got cell phones like, you know, this. Well, then you can use these old ones to start using them to, you know, do <laughs> uh, bench pressing arm lifts. Oh, yeah. Yeah, same thing with, like, early laptop computers, which, you know, weighed about 15, 20 pounds. And it's like I said, if there's one thing that I think just amazes me with how far technology has come, it is smartphones. I mean, you think about it, you have like an iPhone or an Android or whatnot. It can serve as your phone. It can serve as your media player. You, know, you can listen to music on it. You can watch videos on it. You can play games oh, on it. Your computer now. Well, I don't think I would go so far as to say it could truly replace a computer. Uh, I mean, I can't imagine doing desktop publishing on a phone. Or but it is possible. Yeah, it's possible, but I I think that's one of those. I don't think that tablets and smartphones will ever truly replace computers because I think there's just some things that are a little easier to do on a with a mouse and a keyboard as opposed to you know touchscreen. But then again, I know they've got. Um, keyboard attachments you can get for your iPod or iPad or, well, not iPod, but, you know, for your iPad or your tablet. Because I know, I remember watching one of these technological programs where it was uh, talking about Star Trek's little communicator. Yeah. Saying that, hey, our, our smartphones nowadays are a lot better than those communicators. There is this one graphic I've seen going around Facebook. I'm not sure if it's true or not or but it said something to the effect of your smartphone has more computing power than NASA had in 1969. They used it to send men to the moon. We use it to launch birds at pigs. <laughs> so I guess I said, I don't know if that's factual or not, but it is kind of funny. And again, it does show just how far we've come with computers, how, you know, yeah, we used to have these computers that would be about the size of a small house, but now we've got computers that fit in the palm of your hand and that are much, much more powerful to boot. Yeah. So any other uh, little do any other gizmos, doohickeys, technological innovations that have really stuck out for you over the last almost 40 years of our lives? Cameras. Oh, yes. Digital cameras. Well, that. Not even digital, just cameras nowadays. Oh yeah, you know, going back from like the thirty-five millimeter film to like what you said, digital. Yeah, and I remember before thirty-five millimeter, they used to have the. I'm not sure what size it was, but there was this small enclosed roll that was maybe about three inches 
long by maybe half an inch wide. Do you remember those? Yeah, I think they were called like the 110. Yeah, those were, you know, again, you didn't have to, it wasn't like the 35 millimeter where you had to hook the film onto the spokes and then wind it. You just popped this cartridge in and then you were good to go. Because I took a photography class in high in a college and I've always liked photography and it's still something I try to do when I can. But yeah, you go from when you went from the regular film to the the digital cameras. I remember seeing an old digital camera and it and you know the card it used was actually a regular 1.44 megabyte, you know, the the three and a quarter di <laughs> floppy disks we used to use with the computer. And you know, as I said, you'd be able to get like about six pictures on it. Exactly. Or it would say helpful. Yeah, and if if you are using the lowest quality setting, you might be able to get as many as 10 or 12. But yeah, nowadays we have, of course, the SD cards where, you know, you get a two gigabyte card. Because do, what, do you remember the first digital camera you had? Uh, my first digital one was, I think, uh, like you said, it used the uh, three inch quarter floppy disk yeah because the first one we got i'm wanting to say it was a polaroid and i can't remember the name of the the, the the card format it used again it used the smaller one and if we use if we set it to the highest quality i think it can only store like eight or ten pictures um but now we've got you know a really nice camera that takes pictures that are just as good as a as a 35 millimeter camera and, you know, again, that card can just hold tons and tons of pictures. Now, do you still own a digital camera or do you pretty much just use like a tablet or smartphone for your, you know, for your picture yeah, taking? I still own a digital camera. It's one of the ones that has smart, small, uh, you know, mini discs in it. Yeah, because my, my wife's in the scrapbooking, so that's one of the things that influenced us to get a digital camera is, um, you know, because she likes being able to take the pictures and print it out. And I will have to say that is one thing I don't miss about the old film cameras. Because, you know, you took the picture and then you had to take it to the photo place and wait for it to get developed. You know, once it's developed, then you could finally see whether your picture turned out the way you wanted it to. Yep. But in a way... Well, one thing I guess I do miss in a way about that, though, was the anticipation. I mean, do you remember, remember ever going on, like, vacation? And then, you know, your parents take you to the, you know, your parents take you to Walgreens or, you know, the local photo lab, you know, and then just opening that envelope of pictures and just sorting through the pictures to see how everything turned out. It was almost like being a kid at Christmas, wouldn't you say? Yep. I do hate to admit it, though, the convenience factor of digital cameras is kind of nice. I mean, I do like being able to, you know, after I take a picture, being able to see it right away to see how it looks so I can decide whether I want to try retaking it. Yeah, much less to take a picture, you can quick look at it and go, whoop, yeah, that didn't turn out. Well, let's try again. Ready? Click. <laughs> yeah, okay, we're good now. Yep. Instead of click, and a week later, you look at it and you're like, Dang it, it didn't turn out! Dang it, my thumb was in the way of the lens again! <laughs> or another thing that I used to have occasionally is, you know, the camera strap would get in the way of the lens. Yeah. 
That was another problem. Well, as we wrap up this two-part episode, let's look back at some of the changes we've witnessed. During the course of our lives, we've seen cable TV go from a couple dozen channels to hundreds of channels. We've seen video games go from simple sprites in a 2D environment to realistically rendered 3D environments. We've witnessed TV go from black and white to gorgeous high definition. We've seen music go from vinyl records to digital devices that can hold hundreds of songs. And we've seen home computers go from relatively simple devices to powerful tools. So Steve, looking back at these changes, it's fair to say that people in our general age group grew up in a unique time where we've seen such huge advances in the technology. So my question for you is, are you glad that we grew up when we did and we were able to see the, this changing technology? Or, if you could, would you rather go back and would you rather grow up today to have this technology as a youth? Oh, well, for me personally, I would have to say I probably would have stayed the same, you know, and grew up the way we did. Because the way I'm seeing it is, yeah, it's making life easier, but the problem is, People are becoming too dependent on this technology and stuff. And watching some uh, shows and stuff, it only will take like a certain uh, EMP pulse and like half the world will suddenly go, oh, what am I doing? I have no idea what to do. Ah! <laughs> I know you're not the first person to make that general observation that we become too dependent on technology um because i've heard people talk about uh studies they've seen or read about where you know there there's been i guess teenagers who whenever they're without their smartphone or uh their computer for a certain amount of time they start to go through symptoms not that uh or not much different from a drug addict who's trying to recover from drug abuse. I said that's maybe a little bit more of an uh, discussion for another time. So you're pretty much happy with uh, how we grew up and you know how we witnessed technology evolve, and uh, you don't really find yourself envying the kids today. I would have to say that's probably true because with the way we grew up, we at least have a backup you know, set of skills that, hey, if somehow something mysteriously happens to all this technology, we're at least not going to be caught flat-footed. Yeah, and we, we're kind of used, we, we know what it's like to have to get up and walk over to the TV to change the channel and the volume, right? Correct. Yeah, because for me, it's kind of a mixed bag. There is some, there are some things that I would have liked having when I was a kid or when I was younger. Uh, as I mentioned in, I believe it was the first part of our Changing Technology episodes, I used to have a paper out when I was a kid, and, you know, I took a lot of walks, and when I was in college, I also did a lot of jogging. I would have loved to have had, you know, even not necessarily an iPod, but even if I could have just had a mini-disc player, you know, just a portable media device, I would have loved that. You know, that would have just been so helpful for me because, well, I liked the cassettes, 
they of course have their disadvantages. Um, I mean, you've probably seen the Facebook post that has a picture of a cassette tape and a pencil, and it says like, like and share if you know the connection between these two things. <laughs> you know, as I mentioned, I never really got into CDs because of all the walking and jogging I used to do. You know, it just really wasn't practical because those stupid things would, would skip, especially the earlier versions. I mean, I think eventually they did come out with CD players, portable CD players that had anti-skip technology, but I never really got into those. Yeah. So that's one piece of technology I certainly wouldn't would not have minded growing up with. I wouldn't have minded if I would have had social networking sites in college because we really didn't have access to that back then. But other than that, like you, I'm kind of glad that we have been able to see uh, these changes in technology over the course of our lives. Well, I'd like to thank you for listening to Steve and I ramble for a bit about uh, our experience watching technology change over the course of our lives. However, I want to hear from you, our listeners. I'd like to invite you to share your opinions. Do you agree with Steve and I on some of the things we've discussed? Do you disagree with us? If you're around the same age as we are, you know, like eh, maybe mid to late 30s and up, are you glad that you grew up when you did that you also had a chance to watch video games and computers and TV uh, change so much? Or do you find yourself kind of envious of some of the technology that maybe your children or your younger friends have today? So please feel free to stop by the Point of Insanity Game Studio page on Facebook and post your opinions and they'd be happy to hear what uh, you guys have to say. So with that said, again, I'd like to thank you for listening. Uh, remember, you can go to Point of Insanity Game Studio on Facebook. You can visit us at POIGameStudio.com. Uh, please feel free to like the page. Also, please feel free to subscribe to uh, Geekery in general, either through iTunes or through the Podbean app. So we appreciate you listening to us ramble and hopefully didn't get too bored or hopefully Steve and I didn't come off as uh, being grumpy old men. I don't know, Steve, do you think we came off as being grumpy old men? Well, maybe for like the younger, younger generation where they don't have anything to compare it to, we probably do seem like the grumpy old men. Yep, I know. And of course, this is just more of a joke, but I know that uh, a lot of times the younger kids, they always like to think that, you know, we grew up in the Stone Age. <laughs> but, well, uh, thanks for joining us and have a good evening or morning or afternoon, whatever it is, wherever you are, and happy gaming. Talk to you guys later.